And so I woke up with these two words rolling around in my spirit. Might seem negative in the beginning, but we're going to end a real positive place. But what was rolling around in my heart is you are, are you a complainer or are you a contender? Are you a complainer or are you a contender? And so I don't think we need to expound a whole lot on the art of complaining. I think that probably all of us are pretty much experts at that, whether we want to admit it or not. But I just decided to go and look in Webster's Dictionary at some definitions on complain. And they were really pretty revealing. The first one was to express displeasure. Nobody's in here, in here has ever done that, right? <laughs> Nobody in here has ever done that. The second one was to find fault. Now, I think that we've all been guilty of that. But in reality, many times we're like, no, it's not my fault. It really was their fault. They're the ones that did this. They're the ones that said that. So it's their fault that I got in strife. It's their fault that I got upset. All those people that I work with, it's their fault. It's easy to complain about other people, isn't it? It's easy to see all the shortcomings in everybody else's life to find fault. The third one, to declare Annoyance. Do you know that you can do that without saying a word? (gasps) And then this was, I have been a world champion at this and God's helping me not to be so bad at this. But I've been in meetings or I've heard people saying things and I just go, "Hmm." world champion rolling your eyes. (laughs) We can declare annoyance. With our body action without ever saying a word. Body language speaks, doesn't it? Have you ever been talking to somebody, maybe one of your kids when they were teenagers and they, they're not saying anything, but their body is speaking pretty loud. So those are all forms of complaining. But this one, I just could not hardly believe that this was a definition for complain. And it was literally in Webster's Dictionary. To claim pain. To claim pain. Complain, but to claim pain. And I got to thinking about that. Well, how can that be a definition of complaining? But think about it. Our words contain power. We say things like, oh, this trick knee. I just can't get around like I used to. <laughs> Complaining about the, how our body is aching and our bones are cracking. You know what? We just done claimed pain. How about this? I hate my Job. Oh, you know what you've just claimed? You've just claimed un- dissatisfaction because you're complaining about all the things that go on at work. How about this one? I can't believe how they mistreated me. Just claimed the pain of hurt. 
and rejection and offense. Has anybody ever said something like this? Every time I think about that, I get so angry and so upset. Just claiming strife. Claiming anger. Pastor gave us a vivid illustration last Sunday. Talking about that he was going to have to have all that dental work last week. And the root canal. But you know, I will say, to his credit, he didn't just preach it on Sunday. I never heard him say, I'm dreading this. Complaining about, I got to have this root canal. He didn't fear it. He didn't complain about it. He faced it with faith. And he came out of it. I could hardly believe it. Actually, I'm texting him, do you need, do you need ice cream? Do you need something soft? And he's just texting me back. I'm fine. Basically, what's for dinner? I mean, he was just sailed through it. Because he didn't complain. We can complain that, oh, I have to have this procedure. Oh, I have to have this done. And when we're complaining, we're, we are claiming the pain that could be present. But instead of complaining, if we'll praise him in the midst of it, we will sail through it. Joyce Meyer coined this phrase many years ago. Complain and remain or praise and be raised. Which one sounds better? Praise and be raised. Hallelujah. He's raising us up because we're not going to complain. We're going to look to him. Well, I want to take just a few moments in the beginning tonight to look at some folks that were world champion complainers. And see how it worked out for them. A biblical example. We've all heard about the children of Israel. We won't uh, read all of this passage. But if you look over in Numbers chapter 13, you'll see the account of where um, Moses sent out, Joshua sent out the 12 spies. And they went in to look at the land, the promised land. The land that God said was theirs. The land that flowed with milk and honey. The land that they spent all this time going to and looking forward to. We know what happened. Ten of the spies came back with an evil report. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, Woo, we're well able. There's giants there, but so what? We're going to chop their heads off. They had the spirit of faith. But unfortunately, the children of Israel sided in with the ten spies. And it was not a good day when that happened. Let's pick this up in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. I just want to point this out to you as we read these passages. This is the progression of complaining. And this is what it opens the door to. And none of us are going to do that. Amen? Amen. Numbers 14, verse 1 and 2. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and the people wept all night long. And the people of Israel, look at the word. What did they do in the next verse? They complained against Moses. It was Moses, wasn't it? Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, if only 
we had just died in Egypt. It would have been better. And at the very least, we should have just died in the wilderness. That would have been better than getting killed by these giants over there. There's giants in the land and we're just little grasshoppers. They're going to kill us. I would have rather died in Egypt. I would have rather died in the wilderness getting bitten by a snake. Complain, complain. So they started out at a level of murmuring, is how it says it in the King James, murmuring and complaining against their leaders, Moses and Aaron. But it is a downward spiral. If you get over into that area of complaining, it leads to being critical. It leads to getting destroyed. It gets to a point where we're just opening the door to the devil to come into our lives. And this is what happened here. The longer they cried, the worse it got. They worked themselves up into a frenzy. And God was not pleased. He took They're complaining personally. This verse we just read said they complained against Moses and Aaron. But let's drop on down to verse 26 and see what God had to say about it. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against you? Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Can y'all read? What does it say? Come on, class. Against who? Against me. me. God took it personally. Because when they were saying all of that stuff, ah, we should have died in Egypt. We should have died in the wilderness. They were really saying, God, this is your fault. You brought us out here and now there's giants over there. Now we can't have the promised land. What were you thinking, God? Why did you do this to us? He took it personally. And he says here, I have heard the complaints with the children of Israel have made against Moses. What? I can't hear you. God took it personal. So then he said, okay, okay. You said it. You claimed it. You're going to get it. Verse 28. Say to them, just as, as say to them, as I have lived, says the Lord, just as you, you, You have spoken in my hearing. So will I do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who murmured according to your entire family from 20 years old and above. Few verses earlier. Oh, we should have died in Egypt. It would have been better to die in the wilderness. So God said, just as you have said, it's going to happen unto you. That's a real vivid picture of claiming pain. <laughs> Complained and claimed the pain. Their own words. 
set their course. The quickest way to get stuck in a situation is to complain. Talk the problem. Express the displeasure. Show annoyance. (laughs) Roll your eyes. Stomp your foot. I can't believe it. I'm annoyed with you and you and everything annoys me. Finding fault, blaming someone else. They did it. God, it's that wife that you gave me. God, it's these kids. Oh, those kids, they are such slobs. They never pick up their room. They never help with the dishes. They're getting D's and F's. God, these kids that you gave me. Some parents act like this one lady. She had these really misbehaving kids. Three little wild little boys. She was out one day. Some guy was seeing how these kids were just going crazy. So he said to her, let me ask you a question. If you had it to do all over again, would you still have kids? She said, well, of course, but not the same ones. (laughs) But we can't trade our kids in for new kids. We can't complain about our kids. You know, one thing for sure, you and your mate made those kids. It's pretty easy. I used to do it all the time with our kids would do something ugly. Oh, they're just like their dad. <laughs> but the reality is many times when I'd see them do something, it was like, yikes, looking in the mirror. <laughs> What's that have to do with this? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, blaming. <laughs> blaming everybody else. Blaming your spouse. Blaming your kids. But that is a progression. And if we don't watch it, pretty soon we'll be looking up and going, It's your fault! It's your fault! It's your fault! You gave me this horrible life! God, don't you love me? Blaming God. That's the quickest way to get stuck. To remain. Complain. And remain in depression. And oppression. But glory to God, the quickest way out, that's where we're heading now. The quickest way out is to talk the answer. To look up to Jesus. To praise Him. To magnify His Word. Everybody, whether you really see it or not, by faith, I want you to say this. I am not a complainer. I am a contender. Now listen to these definitions on contend. This is probably going to be a series. I've got some more things rolling around about condemn, condemned, contend, but we're going to get in the edge of it tonight. Contend. These are some definitions to strive, to use earnest efforts to obtain, to use earnest efforts to obtain. If you are a contender, you're going to have to put some effort into getting what you are believing for. 
When somebody steps into a boxing ring, maybe they're contending against the heavyweight champion of the world. They didn't just wake up one morning and say, I think I'll go over there and box that heavyweight champion. They had to put a lot of effort and a lot of training to get in that ring to be a contender. Requires earnest effort to obtain. You and I, we got a prize before us. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we're going to obtain the prize that is set before us. Are you willing to put in the effort to what it takes to live an overcoming life? Are you willing to get on your knees and pray? Are you willing to take out the word of God and to let it get in your heart and come out your mouth? Are you willing to believe? Are you willing to use your faith. That's what it means to contend. Another definition of it. I love this one. To fight for. That goes right along with it. To fight for it. If you really believe in something, if you have a cause that you believe in, are you willing to fight for it? There is a cause for us to fight. And we are in a fight, but it is a fight that we have already won through what Jesus has done. The fight that we are in is a fight of faith. We're contending for what Jesus has already completed for us. But we have to stand for it. We have to fight for it. Then this is one that we're going to look at tonight. To plead. To plead is to contend means to plead. So I want to look at some verses of scripture tonight having to do. What does it mean to plead? Plead is not begging. Plead is not crying. Plead is like, oh, there's no hope. Please, 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 God. Please, 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 God. Begging out of desperation. That's not pleading. Isaiah 43 verse 26. This tells us what biblical pleading really is. Put me in remembrance. Let us do what? In the King James it says plead together. New King James, I like it. It says contend because they are contain the same uh, meaning. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. In the King James, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that they, that you may be justified. Now we don't have to put God in remembrance because he forgot. God doesn't have Alzheimer's. We don't have to put him in remembrance because he can't remember what his word says. We put him in remembrance for our benefit. He's saying to us, I want you to declare my word back to me. It's our pleading ground. It's our place of agreement with God based on the word. That's where the power is. That's where the agreement comes. Because the Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, in the Amplified, Then said the Lord to me, "You You have seen well, 
For I am what? Alert. Active. I'm watching over my word to do what? To perform it. That's why he's saying, come, let's contend together. Come, tell me what my word says. State your case to me based upon the word of God. Our spiritual father, Brother Hagin, he always said, before you pray, find a scripture that covers your case. You can't just, please God, please God, beg, begging him and pleading and, I mean, uh, crying and all of that stuff out of your emotions. If you're believing for healing, find some scriptures that tell you that by his stripes you are healed. If you're believing for restoration, there's plenty of scriptures on restoration. If your peace has been under attack, find some scriptures that say he will keep me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed upon him. Plead your case based upon the word of God. That's how you'll be justified. That's how you'll get out of the situation. Amen. And then he says, he says, I want you to know that my word is alert. It's active. I'm watching over my word to perform it. Our father is the great performer. He's not the great pretender. He hasn't said anything in his word that he can't back up. He hasn't declared anything that he doesn't have the power and the ability and the willingness to do on our behalf. There's no pretending about God. He's a performer, not a pretender. What has God promised to perform in in your life? Well, his word, his performance and fulfillment of the promises are not based on our own merits. We can't go to God and say, well, God, you know, you know how good I am. You know how nice I am. Oh, God, you know that I don't have all the issues that brother Joe has. You know, God, I've been walking in your way all these years. I am so holy. I've almost arrived. You know, God, look at my track record. Look at how long I prayed last week. Look at how many scriptures I read. No. That will get us nowhere. He doesn't perform these things based on our merit. It's based on the blood. Hallelujah. It's based on the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we weren't washed in the blood of the lamb, none of us would have access to come boldly to the throne room of grace. It's by the blood that we can draw nigh. It's through the blood and the word that we can boldly contend because he hath made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Very familiar scripture. But it would not be a reality in our lives. If we don't know. That we are the righteousness of God. 
in Christ Jesus. If we are not assured that we have right standing with God, then we wouldn't act on this. But how many of you know who you are in Christ Jesus? Not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. Then we can do this. We can come boldly. Everybody say boldly. We can come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That we may do what? How are we going to come? How are we going to come? And what happens when we come boldly based upon his righteousness, what he has done, his word? We obtain. It's one of the definitions of contend. To exert effort to obtain. The effort that we exert, it's not a physical thing. It is an effort to walk in what he has provided. It is an effort to live from the inside out, to let our spirit man be the one that is in charge. Have you ever seen or I've been in this situation where you're believing God for something and your mind tries to talk you out of it? Oh, I don't think it's going to happen this time. Oh, you were ugly last week. I think God's written you off. No, you didn't pray enough. You didn't say enough confessions. I don't think it's going to happen. You know what the effort is in that situation to obtain? The effort is to stay in faith. I'm going to stay in faith. I'm going to stay under the blood. I'm going to believe that his word is true. I'm going to contend for the promises of God. Now, I know that every one of us in here probably has some areas that we are contending for. Anybody in here believing God for something? You're believing for something to happen in your family, in your life. You're believing for a breakthrough. Well, we're going to have a place for that later on where we're praying and contending about our personal needs. But, you know, I had something in my heart that what we needed to do tonight, and I don't have a long word because I believe we're supposed to offer our supply in prayer tonight. Is anybody? with me I think that we need to stretch tonight and we need to contend for our nation we need to contend for revival there are crazy things that are going on all around us and it is really easy for us to fall into that trap of complaining complaining finding fault expressing displeasure, declaring annoyance. You watch the TV very long. I cannot believe what that politician just said. I cannot believe they would pass that stupid law. And you can get really annoyed and show displeasure. Does that change anything? Absolutely not. Things are happening in our, in the Bay Area. Things are happening in our state. Things are happening in our nation that should not be happening. But complaining isn't gonna change it. But praying will. Hallelujah. Let us plead our case together. Oh Lord, that there would be revival and awakening in our land. I saw this quote from Ian Bonds that I love. 
he said this. Ian Bonds has written many. He's been home to be with the Lord many years, but he, he wrote a lot of excellent books, many on prayer. He said this, the most effective agents in spreading the knowledge of God, in performing his work on earth, and in standing as a barrier against the billows of evil, are praying believers. I want to say that again, because that last phrase just went off on the inside of me. The most effective agents in spreading the knowledge of God. Do you think that the knowledge of the Lord needs to be spread throughout our nation? How about in performing his work on earth? Are you a believer? Well, then the Bible says that signs and wonders ought to be following The believers, we, the believers, not just the pastoral staff, the believers ought to be laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Ought to be casting out devils, ought to be delivering those that are bound, setting the captives free. We are the most effective agents in performing His work on the earth. And then I love this one. And in standing as a barrier against the billows of evil. We, us, the believers, the praying church, we are a barrier. A barrier stops progression. A barrier keeps intruders out sure you've seen a lot of those old movies you know i grew up watching the john wayne movies westerns and all these country things good clean shows you know people got shot and killed but hey they deserved it other than that (laughs) the bad guys got shot like pastor said today we like happy endings but in a lot of those shows you know their word would get out that this outlaw or that outlaw or this gang was coming to get them and what would they do? They'd find a place, maybe a cave or, or an old beat up house. They'd put up barriers, anything they could find to keep them out. Slide the table over there, the chairs, anything, pile it high and deep up there. And the intruders couldn't break the door down. You know what? There are evil intruders that are trying to come into our nation. Many that have already entered in. They're strongholds of the devil that shouldn't be here. I'm not complaining. I'm stating a fact. But you and I need to rise up and be agents. We need to rise up and be a barrier against the billows of evil. We need to lock our shields of faith together. We need to put up a barricade in the realm of the spirit and say, no, you don't devil. You are an evil intruder. You're not getting into my city. You're not getting into my home. You're not going to take our nation. We're going to pray and God's going to show up and show up strong. We call on heaven's help and we get divine intervention. There's barriers. There's blockades that are established when we pray in faith. When we hold up 
the blood-stained banner. Oh, there's power in the blood. In the name of Jesus, we can plead the blood of Jesus. And we can draw a bloodline. There's no barrier that stops the devil dead in his tracks than seeing the blood. Remember that old hymn, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. That's taken out of the account when the children of Israel were getting ready to leave the land of Egypt. And the death angel, the final thing that was going to happen, the final plague. Moses told them by the spirit of God, kill that lamb, take the blood and apply it to the doorpost. And when that death angel comes into the land of Egypt, when he sees the blood, he has no choice. Can't come in your house. Got to pass on by. And it's the same today when we raise up the blood-stained banner. Oh, hallelujah. That's covered in the blood of the Lamb, in the realm of the Spirit. And we hold it up and we say, I plead the blood. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. You cannot cross the blood line. I am a contender. Hallelujah. I'm going to fight for the right to be born again. I am going to fight for the kingdom of God to be strong in the Bay Area. I hold up the blood. You can't cross it. You're not coming into my family. You're not having our church. You're not having our nation. In the realm of the spirit, we draw a bloodline around our nation. Border to border, coast to coast. I plead the blood in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The blood. The blood will never, ever lose its power. It's the blood that washes whiter than snow. It's the blood that changes men's hearts. You cannot legislate morality. That's why there's so much sin and so much junk that's running rampant in our nation. It's because men's hearts are full of darkness and full of wickedness. And we can't complain about that. We can't condemn people over that. They're just acting like their father, the devil. But what can we do? Oh, we can exercise our dominion. We can make much of the blood. We can do what second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 in the amplified says, my people, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray. Everybody say pray, Pray. seek, crave and require of necessity. What do we require? His face. We require God to intervene in our behalf, to intervene in our nation. We'll turn from our wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins 
and do what? Heal their land. What's going to bring healing to our land? It's not new laws. You know, I'm all for having godly laws, but it's not picketing. It's not riots. It's not rebellion. It's not getting up petitions. You, you feel led to do that, whatever, that's fine. But what's going to change our land is prayer. What's going to bring about revival is an awakening. If we will contend, if we will humble ourselves and say, God, forgive us. There's junk in our nation. There's things happening in the Bay Area. There's strongholds that have been set up that ought not to be there. Forgive us for getting off of our post. We are called to be watchmen on the wall. We have a domain. We have a territory. And we're to watch over it in the realm of the spirit and we are to contend for God's best we are to watch to keep out evil intruders so we can't get upset with politicians we need to look in the mirror and say okay I'm going to pray I'm going to contend we're not having this I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to seek your face. Lord, I know what needs to happen. It has to be an awakening. It has to be a revival. It has to be hard hearts being made tender. Men's hearts are hardened through sin and wrongdoing. Their hearts get calloused. Things that used to not ever be even be thought about. To be shown on TV or an everyday occurrence. You can't hardly turn the TV on. You know, I remember the day way, 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 way back in the day when I grew up. Late 50s, 60s. Remember, I love Lucy. Her and Ricky were always fully clothed in pajamas, twin beds. You never saw them even in the same bed. But now think of the progression of sin. But God, but God, but God, but God, he's going to touch men's hearts. There's some change that's happening. Look at Ezekiel 36, 26. I always say I don't have a long word, but you know, I follow the Holy Ghost and he's, he's given us stuff. Ezekiel 36, 26 in the New Living Translation. And I will give you what? A new heart. That's what people need. They need to have a heart that God has touched. They can't even, it's not, I'm not, I'm going to come in and I'm going to fix your old heart. He says, I'm going to give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I'll take out the stony, stubborn heart. Woo! And give you what kind of a heart? Tender, responsive heart. That's what God's looking for. And that's what God will do if we will pray. Those hearts that seem to be so hard, stony, stubborn. I don't want God. We're going to spit in God's face. We're going to have gay marriage. We don't care what the church says. We don't care about God. That's a stony, 
stubborn, rebellious heart. But when we pray, God deals with the hearts of men. And he will give men a tender, a responsive heart. And that's where the change begins. That's why we don't complain. We contend for God to change people's hearts. Let me give you one quick illustration and close in here. In the natural, I'm a farmer's daughter. Always will be a farmer's daughter. And when you go to plant seed, if the ground is hard, I mean hard from no rain, it could just be crusted over. You can't get anything in the soil then. What you have to have is rain. People go to great measures to try to get rain. I can remember as a kid in the month of July in Pawnee, Oklahoma, they have an Indian powwow every year. Pawnee is the national headquarters for the Pawnee Indian tribe, in case you didn't know that. And so they have this powwow. And I can remember one year it hadn't rained for a long time. And some of the people in the city, most people were born again, but I don't know why they did this, but they were asking the Native Americans, that's politically correct, right? Native Americans to do a rain dance. Desperate for rain. They had a rain dance that they did. Anything to get rain because if the ground is hard, you're not planting any seed. You're not going to get any harvest. Well, we don't have to do a rain dance in the realm of the spirit. But men's hearts, if they are hardened, need rain. They need the rain. That's part of us contending. We're contending for an awakening. We're contending for rain. Zechariah 10.1. Ask ye of the Lord. Rain. Rain. In the time of the latter rain. The rain is what makes men's hearts soft, pliable, and responsive. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. We're going to do some contending you're in here tonight and you have needs in your own life, I can appreciate that. And I know God loves you and I know God's going to touch you and, and meet your needs. But I want us to spend a little bit of time first off, first, praying for our nation, contending for an awakening in our nation. When you pray like that, you know what? If you need a job, things change in our nation, you're going to get a job. If your family's rebellious, your kids aren't serving God, when you pray for rain, when you ask for revival, guess what? They're going to get swept in. So it's all connected. We're stretching tonight. How many of you are willing to stretch? To stretch and to see the big picture of what we should be contending for. Amen? Now, you know, I think it's good when we pray that we just kind of gather in. Because there's something that's really good about a corporate anointing and drawing near. So I want to ask as many of you that, that are willing to come on.